Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Taryn, the Flyers are seriously, seriously fighting health. They're fighting confidence, and they are on another slide again. Uh, they are, they've lost their last five straight. Um, they just need bodies at this point. It's, it's really becoming a scratch-your-head type of moment. You, you thought they were going to have a normal season, and right now this is far from normal. It's reminding everyone a lot of last year. They're not the only team going through it, as we all know, uh, but the Flyers are really fighting it right now. They have a challenging week ahead. They're trying to get some guys back. But, Taryn, do you feel like this is a pivotal week in terms of their season, in terms of staying afloat and trying to get guys back from COVID and injuries? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because realistically, like we look at the playoff picture and it looks like an uphill battle, but I think if you go too much further, it becomes an impossible battle, if I'm being honest. And so they have to, I mean, pretty much every week from now on, they have to do every single thing they can to keep the teams ahead of them in that like wild card race um, in view at all. <clears throat> but yeah, it is, it's tough. And uh, I know we we're just talking about this off air before we started recording. We talked to Scott Lawton today. We'll air in the pregame show tomorrow about it. And he kind of said the same thing. It's starting to feel a little bit like last year in terms of the COVID surge and missing people and constantly trying to adjust. And I think they know that's just the reality of the situation for them. Like there's not this thing of like, oh, we're not winning because of this. That That's not what anyone is saying. Um, that being said, that can still mean that, A, it's incredibly hard to win games, which is true with, you know, half of an AHL team and not knowing who's going to be on the ice on any given day. And B, when we say other teams are going through it too, it's kind of a yes and no situation. Some teams are are going through similar surges, being forced to play, and also getting their wheels blown off. And some teams are going through similar surges and not playing, and I think that's probably frustrating for the players as well. So it's 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 interesting there's there's no right way to run a professional sports league in a pandemic that's just truly quite hard but i think for their own mental sake it getting bodies back getting points back getting back on track here is going to be incredibly important for the future because otherwise i think it's going to be really hard to stay sane and there's a lot of runway left if we're being honest there's a lot of games left and you don't want to you want to see a team that's at least fighting down the rest of the runway and in order to do that they have to start picking up points soon okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
Indeed. And there is a lot of runway. If you look at the season, they are 13, 15, and 7. That's 35 games. So over half of a season is left. So the Flyers do have a lot of games to work with. Uh, but as Taryn alluded to, you really can't dig yourself any deeper. Uh, they've already stomached a 10-game skid, and now they're stomaching all types of availability issues with players. Um, some news just to, to get everyone up to speed. On Monday, the day we're recording this podcast, the Flyers did get Travis Sanheim back from COVID protocol. He's expected to play in Tuesday's game. Konechny, Provrov, Giroux remained in protocol. They're awaiting test results. They've already fulfilled the five-day isolation period, but they do need the test negative to come back. The Flyers are hoping to get at least some of them, if not all of them, back for Tuesday. So that would be huge. They obviously missed Provrov and Drew for the past three games. They missed Sandheim and Konechny for the past two. Justin Braun did go in the COVID protocol. So a ton of moving parts. But long story short, the Flyers need to get people healthy and back. They've, they're already missing Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis because of physical injuries. Um they're just in a world of hurt, and uh, and and they can't really afford it because they didn't give themselves a lot of room for error because of that ten game skid. Joe, we know how challenging this week is ahead. They have the Hurricanes, the Bruins, and Rangers, uh, three really good teams. If you had to pick the worst team in that group, it might be the Bruins, and that's saying something. So, how important is this week? And do you think the Flyers can maybe take two of three and, and get some positive energy going? Well. <clears throat> Two of three, I think. I don't think you can enter the week thinking about two of three, particularly with that schedule in front of you. But you mentioned the worst might be the Bruins. I think the Bruins is actually the most important game because um, that's going to be the team that you know you're looking at the standings, and the Bruins are in the second wild card spot, and you know uh, that's most likely a team you're going to have to beat. So. That the whole idea of the four-point games, I know it's a little early to start talking about that, but when you're in the position that the Flyers are, I don't think it's too early to start talking about that. And I think that is a four-point game. Um, so that and that's a tough one. I mean, this Bruins team's been a tough team for the Flyers. Obviously, last season they had severe issues with the Bruins. This year they were able to beat them. Um, but that was at the beginning of the season. I feel like this is they, – they need to go out and play their game and not necessarily worry about this game's more important than that game and this team's better than that team. Because if they come out and they play like they played, let's say, for the most majority of that road trip or if they play like they played in the third period the other night, uh, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It really doesn't. And, um, you know um, – I feel like they're they're fighting themselves as much as their opponent right now. And it's a whole different, you know, it's a whole number of factors. And uh, uh, Taryn mentioned there's a lot of runway left. And Scott Lawton, he brought that up today as well. And, you know, said there's, you know, there's tons of hockey left. But the thing is with tons of hockey being left, it kind of, the, the, the phrase it's getting late early it's going to start getting late early if the Flyers can't pick up these games against teams that they're going to have to directly go against in the standings. Um, right now, the Hurricanes and the Rangers are way up above them, so it's not even worth worrying about them in terms of the standings. But, you know, with this kind of season and these COVID outbreaks, and you don't know what is going to affect what team when, 
there's no at no point you can say okay you can't say you're out of it um it's too early to say you're out of it and again there's a lot of other factors in this season um so i think this is a big week but i don't know that it's necessarily a big week over any of the other recent weeks or the coming weeks um other than the fact that they are playing the bruins so i think the bruins game is a big one but if you beat the if you're able to beat the Bruins and you lose the other two games, I'm not sure how much that Bruins game matters. So, you know, I, I just think they have to get ready for the next game. And it sounds cliche and it sounds sort of um like you're not really looking at the big picture. But I think if you're gonna try to approach things like, okay, how about this week or this next set of five games, you're gonna end up driving yourself crazy because in the position they're in, they need to worry about the next two points that are available right now, that's obviously the Carolina Hurricanes coming in uh, tomorrow night. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That next game, as Joe mentioned, is the Hurricanes on Tuesday. 7 p.m. puck drop on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Catch out pre and post game live with Taryn Hatcher and produced by our very own Joe Fordyce for the interview with Scott Lawton and so much more. And boy, are the Hurricanes pretty good. <laughs> um, that's a good team that you don't want to be shorthanded against. Uh, so I think the Flyers are seriously crossing their fingers that they can get Konechny, Provrov, and Drew back along with Sanheim. Maybe they'll somewhat look like themselves again. And you would have to think those four, three, or two players will come back with all kinds of energy given the Flyers need it. Um, Taryn, if you had to think of what's a more – troublesome, worrisome injury, would it be Sean Couturier or Ryan Ellis? Two pivotal players uh, with some, you know, some, some injuries that really give you worry because it's just one of those wait-and-see kind of things that can take time and you're just kind of hoping for the best. Sean Couturier dealing with an upper body injury, Ryan Ellis, lower body, two things that seem to be nagging. Which one is more worrisome in your mind? Well... Uh, that's a hard question to answer. I would say that's kind of like asking what's worse for you, drinking or smoking. (laughs) No, because I would immediately say smoking. Like at least you get like I I would think that's a significantly easier answer for me. I actually I don't know. I think that knowing that Couturier was injured makes things make sense to me. So I not that that's better, but I think Couturier's looked off for a lot of the season he has not played like himself and then seeing him end up with an injury that's now taking some time to heal um does make things make sense so in that regard I go okay well maybe he gets healthy he comes back a better player and I don't know when that is but something was off before so um there's I think that's maybe the silver lining with that injury the Ryan Ellis injury is both wildly concerning and at this point, like, 
almost is an afterthought because he's been so absent for so much of the season that like you almost don't think of him as a flyer. Um, which I, I hate to say that because I think he could be such a huge addition to this team. And I think when he returns, he will be. The question is, when is he going to return? Like everybody had eyes on January, eyes on the beginning of January. And now we're midway through January and we were at practice this morning, Jordan. And so we spotted him in plain clothes, still not participating in practice. So, um, I think the Couturier one has that silver lining of, all right, maybe something was off throughout the year so far, and you hate to see him miss this time, but maybe he comes back and he's Couturier that we're used to seeing on this Flyers team who's just, you know, it's a Selkie Trophy winner. Um, the Ryan Ellis one is just – it is such a strange situation because as we, as we sit up there and we're in the writer's room watching practice and we go through who's missing each day and we try to figure out how many players aren't at practice – I mean, on more than one occasion, Jordan, I know you can attest to this. We're like, all right, they're missing one, two, three, four, five, six, da 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 da. And it's like, all right, they're missing what, seven guys? And then we go, oh, yeah, and they're missing Ellis because we forget because he's been missing for so long. So it's kind of become a post Ellis society already with the Flyers. I think once he comes back, though, he's he could be such a huge part of this defense. I think it changes the entire look of the defense. Concerning part is like, when is that going to be when? Cause you know, like I said, it's, it's January 10th. So I think most people thought even at conservative estimates thought that he would be back right around this time and he's still not practicing. That's concerning. So I'd probably go Ellis in this situation, to be honest. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, two damaging injuries, nonetheless, uh, and it's just kind of – it makes you really wonder what Chuck Fletcher is thinking, what uh, the staff is thinking, uh, because they really have not seen this team out on the ice the way they had construct, constructed it this offseason. I mean, what – they have they had like two games where, they, where it's the team they actually put together in the offseason? Not even, not even because Ryan Ellis, when he played uh, early Risto in the season – was out. Hayes was out. out too, right? And Hayes was out, yeah. yeah. So they haven't – that's the thing that's so hard too, is like when we talk about, um, and you know, I hate to keep referencing the writer's room, but it's, it is interesting because it's all of us people who cover the flyers day in day out. And we talk about if you're Chuck Fletcher, what do you do at trade deadline? I mean, Jordan, we've had these conversations before. It's, it's a, it's a question that almost feels like a rhetorical question because you haven't seen the team that Chuck Fletcher put together and it's kind of – you could say that Hayes is injury-prone, but it's not the injury that he's prone to. So I don't even know if you could predict that with, with um, Ryan Ellis. Um, but if you're Chuck, like you're like this – I put in so many phone calls all over the summer for so long to build a team that I, I haven't even seen yet. It feels like you you put in all this work to order a package that still hasn't been delivered – and you're already ready to return the package. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. a strange place to be in. And it's probably even more frustrating for Flyers front office and the team itself than it is for anyone else watching. Yeah, it has to be. And, yeah, Chuck Fletcher did a lot of work this offseason. He was busy. He was aggressive. He was active. Um, in all hopes of making this season a rebound type of season. And it has not been a rebound. 
And as we know, Flyers have not missed the playoffs in consecutive years since the early 90s. They are in danger of doing that. Um, weird year. Weird year. And uh, still a lot of games to play, but it's just odd that you you haven't seen it all together yet. And it's almost at the halfway mark. We're getting close to that halfway mark. I mean, you're six games away from the halfway mark. So uh, I guess the fly, what the, the challenge is for Mike Yo and the Flyers is to put that all out of their minds. We can talk about it because that's our job. Like we can make excuses for the Flyers that they haven't had guys because our job is to analyze and look at the picture and explain why they're playing poorly or why they're playing well. And a big reason why they're playing poorly is they have not had, you know, a lot of guys uh, that, and because of injuries and COVID and all types of issues. Uh, that's why they haven't played well. But for the Flyers, they really need to try to salvage this season. The best way to do that is just, like Joe mentioned, kind of go game to game and try to pick up points uh, and go from there. Um, Joe, I want to ask you a little bit about Ryan Ellis and Sean Couturier as well. Derek Broussard has also been out. He's missed 16 of the last 18 games. Um, do you believe the Flyers can get guys back? Do you think they can get guys back and get on a run here? Uh, do you still feel like this season is salvageable? Because I think a lot of people will look at the numbers and probably say no. Uh, their their goal differential is pretty ugly right now. They've not been a good team after that 10-game start. They were 6-2-2 two and two to start, and they have just gone south since then. Uh, do you feel like this is salvageable? Well, I feel like it's salvageable because of this. Listen to all these things we've talked about since the beginning of this episode and prior episodes, and and there's still only how many points out of the playoffs. I mean, it's it, it is it isn't without a with you know it's it's within reach still, and that is without having that full team. So the thing is, um, a guy to go back to your previous thing about Couturier or Ellis. I don't. I I feel find it hard to put one above the other, uh, and it particularly because Taron mentioned they got so used to playing without Ryan Ellis. The thing with Couturier, and in previous years, I you you notice when he's out of the lineup and when he comes back, it seems like he kind of sets everything at an equilibrium. Like guys get to where they're supposed to be, at least with the forward group, when he is in the lineup, and he's also been a cure for what ails. Um, player A, whoever that is at that time. Oh, this guy's struggling. Put him with Couturier. I know we talked a lot about that last year too. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like there is definitely a, a salvageable thing here. And, I, I, you know, right after Mike Yo took over, I feel like there were some things that you saw that were uh, you could build upon. And you, you saw some rejuvenation within this team. And um, I don't think it's going to take much to get that back. But um, right now they're just – they're going through a rough time. And, you know, it's one thing – injuries. Couturier, Ellis, every team deals with injuries. The COVID thing and, – and, again, I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying the same thing I said on the last podcast. I'm not minimizing what this is, uh, its effects on certain people, but – when you hear these players talk, we've heard Carter talk about it. We've heard Scott Lawton talk about it. We've heard a number of guys bring it up. This particular um, variant, it seems like a lot of guys don't even know anything's wrong with them until they take a test. So you could wake up and feel amazing 
ready to go out and play a game. And then you get a positive test and all of a sudden you can't play. And there's no way to predict any of that. With injuries, you can say, okay, this guy's out two to three weeks. That guy's out four weeks. This guy's going to miss two games. There's no way to predict any of this other stuff. So on any given day, you could either show up with a full NHL lineup or you could show up with half the lineup being AHL players from the Phantoms. And that is very hard to prepare for games that way. And again, I don't consider it an excuse. Every team is going through it. And the thing is, it's hitting some teams harder than others, and it's hitting teams at different times. A lot of these teams that we're talking about being at the top of the league, um, I know the Rangers, I, I think Panarin missed a couple games with COVID, but they haven't had a time there where, let's say, Panarin, Kreider, Fox, all these guys have been out at the same time. And I feel like that is what has happened to the Flyers. Um, you're not – a lot of the teams that are excelling this season are not missing four of their top five players, three of their top five players, or or more. And that's what the Flyers have – been hit with and they got hit with it last year too so it's it's a very unpredictable nature so when people bring it up and when guys get frustrated they always the players themselves always like to say I'm not making excuses I actually don't consider it to be an excuse because it's just it's it's a legit concern because there's no way to prepare for this stuff that's going on as Taryn mentioned, there's no way to prepare how to run a sports league during a pandemic. It seems like there's some inconsistencies, but there's not a handbook here. The handbook, and even the handbook that was written two years ago in the season that finished in the bubble, that handbook has drastically changed this year because that year they shut the sport down totally. Well, and that handbook, wouldn't we wouldn't have a league right now if they wanted to use right. that handbook again. The players would not play. And it is, it is at some point, and I know people get mad about this, but like, I'm just going to speak frankly, at some point you do have to consider that like JVR's wife had a baby today. Like at some point, these players are people too, and you can't expect them to live their lives entirely in a bubble for the sake of us watching hockey games and then playing hockey games. And, you know, if it affects their pay or this or that, or the next thing, that's, that's what happens. And I think they've dealt with that, um, repercussion firsthand and they're going to continue to as games in Canada have reduced attendance or they don't play them or they play them in other places the players are the are paying that price but if you want to say well if they bubbled everybody up this that and the next thing that wouldn't work the players would not agree to that they would not play they have children in school they you know the flyers before this all started were a team of half new guys and and you talk to guys now about how difficult the season is and they're like yeah well the tough part is is you're starting to get to know each other and all of a sudden you're told you can't do any team events together at all and and some of these players are still really new to us and we still you know that that's an important part of being on a team is is knowing your teammates and understanding each other and the way you function and liking each other and develop a team identity off the ice as well as on the ice and a lot of that's been really really limited and you know, there's this narrative of, well, if we say it, that's the excuse that allows the team to continue to be bad. No, that's that part of that is, I mean, you guys have seen me and Joe and Jordan's articles. Like I've gotten gone on air and criticized bad zone entries and how bad the power plays. I mean, I've that 10 game losing streak to me becomes even more unacceptable now 
as they are dealing with a winless streak as a result of tons of players missing due to COVID. Because if you don't have that 10-game losing skid when you had most of these guys available, I understand they were still dealing with quite a few injuries, but you had most of these players available, it becomes less daunting to have the lineup you have now know that it's going to be really hard to win games because you're not going to be five points back of Boston who has four games in hand and playing half of Lehigh Valley's roster. That's, you know, that wouldn't happen if you didn't have the 10 game losing streak. I'm not excusing that, but I, I do think it's interesting now that one, let's say the NHL does decide to adopt the NFL rules coming up here soon where they really are not testing guys the same way. So you get back less positives. Well, if Boston has four games in hand and the testing rules aren't the same, and so they can play most of their top lineup for the rest of the year, whereas the Flyers had to play those four games that Boston has in hand with primarily the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and they lose all four of those games, those four games weren't really addressed the same way. And that can also be true. I cannot make excuses for the team and also say that is the reality of the situation. And that's... Again, that what's, that's what makes the 10-game losing streak so much more unexcusable is like na- now is when you sit there and you go, okay, you have to maybe endure a little bit of a skid. They can't afford to endure any skid because of what they've already done. But people treat COVID like it's an equal opportunity effector. It's not. It has not affected every team the same way. And it affected the Flyers in a really big way last year and really affected their schedule as well in a way that I think desperately hurt that team. And it is affecting this team in a big way again this year versus let's say a team has a crazy outbreak in, you know, the last week of January. And then the league has three weeks essentially off. I know some of that will change as they reschedule games during the Olympic break. And all these guys get to test out of COVID protocols during time off that's not impacting that team the same way it impacts the flyers. So at some point I do think this is a nuanced conversation and it's, it's one that I'm glad we have the podcast for. We have more of a floor to discuss it, but it is brutal. It is brutal. What teams like the flyers, you've seen it happen to other teams that have had to push through crazy. I mean, Lou Lamarillo came out earlier in the season. It was like, what do I need? 10 guys on COVID protocol for you guys to postpone a game. Do I need 10? Is that the magic number? I mean, he was pissed. And you looked at their numbers and you kind of go, yeah, he has a right to be pissed because other teams with fewer players are getting games postponed. And you wonder why I, I, you know, I, I, Anaheim makes me scratch my head, but you know, stuff like that. I go, all right, is it because of, are there other factors here involved? I I don't know, but um, you can acknowledge that it's brutal and also say there, there's other inexcusable moments, but I think this is, it's really tough. And even if imagine if you're Igor Zamula, you get called up and you're thrown right in and you probably expected to spend most of the year down in uh, Lehigh, given that Cam would have, you know, been one of the first call-ups and Nick Sealer became a steady, you know, guy on the roster. I mean, I don't think Zamula expected a ton of ice time this year. Um, and now you're up you're playing on the second D pair, your first game with Ristolainen. And oh, by the way, like you can't be around the team at all away from the ice because they're back to like old school COVID rules of like, don't do team gatherings because we don't want to spread Omicron. And you're, I I just, it's tough. It's really hard. The the actual day-to-day practicality of it is hard. So. And just to follow up on that, Taryn mentions 
guys like Zamula and, and put Cates in there and a number of other guys, Mayhew and all these guys that keep going back and forth. And these guys are not robots. So even though we're like, okay, they're AHL players, just bring this guy up to fill in. These guys have, you know, thoughts and feelings as well. It's not like you can just, t- it's not a puzzle piece where you can just take it out and put it over here and expect them to be the same person or be prepared to play for that matter. And well, I'm and not I- saying these guys have looked like they're not prepared to play, but to assume they're prepared to play is probably a little aggressive. Well, um, and I, given all I- the turmoil. I don't want to like give away everything from the Lawton interview, but he did make a really good point that I didn't think of yesterday. One, he didn't mention this. The Phantoms have dealt with their own COVID outbreaks and rash of injuries. Like the entire Flyers organization has had a horrible luck year. That just is true. I don't know that there's any program in the NHL that's had a worse run of luck between injuries and COVID this year. Genuinely, I mean that. I know I'm biased, but I think I'm right. Um, but Lawton pointed out as well is like the the thing you don't think of is that it's also guys getting, you know, they're in Lehigh, they're not expecting anything, whatever, and then they get pulled, they're getting a swab up their nose on a bus to a plane to the next place to wherever, da 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 da, sent back down, brought back up, like just the the day to day of it all is not as glamorous, I think, as people think it is. You know, when you're an up and down guy, you're going from, yeah, like the Flyers charter plane is very nice to travel around in. But then the next week you're you're down on a team bus hauling off to Hershey. Someone pulls you, brings you on another bus to haul you back to Philly to fly you out to wherever. Like it's just not it's not easy on anyone. It's it would be very hard for I think anyone to do. It would be hard. It's hard. Like we look at Jonesy's schedule and the way he like gets done with our broadcast, gets ran right on a plane, goes out and do. And Jonesy's not playing. Like we're just talking about the game, and there's a certain amount of work and research and effort that goes into it. But it's like we sit there and commend him for how hard that is. Like there's guys who are doing that frequently, and we don't really even think about that aspect of anything. And then you expect them to go out and they're going to have to compete with you know Bergeron and Marchand and so on and so forth. It's or, or a Carolina team that's good top to bottom. It's not, it's, it's not as, it's not like Tetris pieces. Like one slides out and one slides right in. It's, it, that's just not how it works. I think people know that. And I'm just ranting. I haven't been on in a while, guys. And I'm very over caffeinated and, <laughs> and under rested. So I apologize. Well, it's interesting too that, Taryn, you brought up Lou Lamorello. The Islanders might be the only team that, the effects of this season are comparable to the Flyers because mm-hmm. they did have a lot of guys out at the same time on top of the fact that they played, what was it, 14, 15 games in a 15. row on the road because of their new building to start the season. So they've had curveballs thrown their way. But, you know, I, just speaking of how all these guys are out at, at virtually the same time for the Flyers, they faced Pittsburgh last week and, you know, Carter, Jeff Carter was in protocol. Brian Rust had a huge game against the Flyers. Carter comes out of protocol. Rust goes in. Now, yeah, they lose their hottest scorer at that moment, but they're getting Carter back. So it's it's a little different when you're moving Jeff Carter in for Brian Rust instead of Jerry Mayhew in for, you know, Claude Giroux. I'm, and I'm not saying those two directly replace each other in the lineup, but, you know, it's it's a little different when you're getting back you know, 
how many year veteran Jeff Carter in place of Brian Rust instead of a guy that didn't expect to play in the NHL replacing the team's captain. You well, know, it's, like, it's very... look at the Flyers' top D pair at practice today. It was Nick Sealer and Cam York. Who had either of them on your roster at the start of the season? Anyone? I would venture to say that we didn't no. say Nick Sealer's name once in the offseason on this podcast or in any conversations. So I mean, that just shows you how many, you know, a few months, how, how things, especially in this particular time we are in the sports world as well as the world world, how much things change. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you know, if people want to find other teams that have dealt with it as bad as the Flyers, I'm sure they probably could. But um, there's no sugarcoating it. Like, look at the other night when the Flyers were missing six guys because of COVID. Think of the four that they were missing, the four key guys. Claude Drew, your captain and leading scorer. Um, Travis Sanheim, your, probably your second-best defenseman. Ivan Provrov, your top pair defenseman who is up there in league leaders in minutes. And then Travis Konechny, who was an all-star, one of your top playmakers. On top of Sean Couturier, selfie trophy winner, uh, who's out with an injury. Ryan Ellis, who was your biggest offseason acquisition. Like, you weren't – the Flyers were not winning Kevin that. Hayes, who still isn't playing at 100%. I mean, you yeah. could keep going down the line, and it would go yeah. on and on and on and on and on. It's yeah. just – it's wild. The it Flyers is wild. Were, yeah, they weren't winning that game. They had to play that game. And now you're just trying to get someone back. Like, they're, they're, they're begging for continuity. And then not to mention – you have an interim head coach who's trying to implement things, felt like he was probably getting there, and then suddenly, boom, he's missing six, seven, eight guys, and he's got to call up these young kids and try to tell them in a day, if not just the morning of, hey, I would really want you to I want you to do this, try to do that, and oh, and by the way, build chemistry with this guy who have, you haven't played with. It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Uh, other teams, of course, are dealing with uh, injuries and absences as well, but man, the Flyers really dealt with it in a perfect storm way and um their season's on the line because of it it really is uh because you're almost at the halfway mark and as we both all three of us mentioned that 10 game losing streak is awfully awfully damaging now because now you're dealing with covid just like you were last year um yeah the flyers are really i mean if mike yo can get this team to the playoffs i've said it before he will put himself in a great position to win this jack job. adams honestly <laughs> yeah I mean, kudos to the guy. Uh, that that would be incredible. Can I ask you a question now, Jordan? To go sure. back to your original question, like eight topics ago. Sure. Um, when you look at when you look at the Sean Couturier injury now, given how much time he's missed, do you think that was something that occurred like right before he went out, or do you think maybe there was something more there that was lingering? Yeah, I wonder if it was probably. I mean, I know we're speculating on something you're not really supposed to speculate on, but I. No, it's okay. No, I think it was something that was lingering uh, because Chuck Fletcher had mentioned that he was dealing with various issues. And maybe at that point, uh, they just realized, hey, it's, it, this is not getting better. Maybe we can get him, we can shut him down for a little bit and get him back at least more like himself and not just mm -hmm. like going game to game hoping for the best. So, yeah. Yeah. I, but. but you know, it's just another another injury now that the Flyers are dealing with, a key, key player. Uh, and you, you're not even sure what it is and how it's going to progress. It's just so much catch-up hockey right now for the Flyers. It's like they're just trying to keep their heads above water. You can only imagine how they're feeling and what the front office is thinking because, I mean, I, I like the Flyers on paper going into this season. 
I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't. Uh, and I thought it's a pretty good team. And I bet money if I found the lineup that they had in that preseason game where everyone was like, hey, this is it. The Flyers purposely, I remember, putting out their full lineup. Um, and they had everyone. Everyone was out there other than Kevin Hayes. Uh, and everyone was like, hey, this is a pretty good team on paper. They won the game. They looked pretty decent. And you were thinking, this team could be pretty good. They haven't had anything close to that. Uh, not mm-hmm. once this season. Um, That's something, like, from what I hear from, like, people around the league, things I read, podcasts I listen to, friends that I have who work for other teams, the it's very frustrating, and this is so common across all sports, it's so frustrating internally, especially because Flyers fans, I feel like, are, like, some of the most passionate, dedicated fans in terms of, like, educating themselves and, and really keeping abreast of, like, what's going on with the team and so on and so forth, the intricacies of it all, even at the AHL level, like, Flyers fans are next level. But when I talk to people outside of the Flyer bubble that sometimes I also, you know, get caught in, um, it's it's such a confusing team to people where they're like, on paper, like, it. you really felt 2019, 2020 vibes. You really felt like Chuck did so much work and made that team that could at least get you to the second round again. Um, and... It is just like the one thing that comes up all the time is like, it is just a shame the amount of like uncontrollable crap that seems like is going on there. Just the uncontrol, you know, they always say control the controllables. And it seems like, and I really feel for Mike Yo in this situation, he is trying to control the controllables so much right now. There are so few controllables left. <laughs> like there really are. And like, it's, it's confusing to everyone I know where they're just like, it's, it's not confusing it to them. It is very much like, geez, how much bad luck can you get in a season? And I keep going, well, you know, it seems like it can only go up from here and then something else happens. So it's just wild. The whole thing's crazy. Yeah. Kim Mackinson even said it today that um, he actually first came out and said, listen, you can't get frustrated because if you get frustrated, you're going to go down the wrong path. Like we need to, you know, stay positive and try to take it, you know, two points uh, at a time. But he, he did have a good point that he felt like they were finding their game under Mike Yo, and then the Christmas break happened, and they come out, and they're hit by COVID. And then a couple guys got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're implementing all these younger guys that haven't been here, and you're trying to restart it again under Mike Yo, and they're just not going anywhere with that because they're really just trying to simply keep their head above water. It's – Difficult situation for the Flyers um, if they do make something out of this season. And we're not saying they can't. As we mentioned, there is over half a season left. But if they do make something of it, I mean, they will have earned it. I think they will truly have earned it uh, in every sense of the word earn. Um, but it will not be easy. Uh, so the Flyers certainly have their work cut out for them. And Jordan and Taryn, just to follow up, I felt like the Sharks game the other night was the perfect microcosm of exactly what's going on here. So the Flyers had the 2-0 lead. And then what happened? The Sharks went to their, in the third period, they went to their go-to guys, the Myers, the Hurdles, the Brent Burns. And those guys were the guys that led the comeback and got them the win. When you look at the Flyers outside of Farabee, who are the go-to guys in the lineup right now? They're really, they're, they're really, JVR. I, yeah, but, JVR, but he, and he was involved. I yeah. Mean, he, he was involved in the goals. So it's well, not like, I, uh, I think that was one of those games where 
we, Al and I were looking at each other and it was scary. The third period was scary, like scary. Even when they were up two nothing, they had scored two goals on three shots, like halfway through the period. They, they still only had three shots, I think. Um, and Al and I were like, this is so far from over. And I know it's such a cliche, especially in soccer. And I watch a lot of soccer is like two, nothing is the most dangerous lead because you feel like you have breathing room and it can really slip away quickly. And that was a game where they're up to nothing. And, and I'm sitting there going, if they don't get a third, I don't know that they win this game. Uh, truly. I, I really didn't think they'd win that game. And I thought Joel Farabee's shorthanded goal might've been, you know, the thing that could have set them over the edge that he, he didn't get the goal on that. Um, so I should say shorthanded a shot on goal. Um, but <clears throat> the thing that's like, the, the thing that's crazy about that is that you look at certain games to start the West coast road trip where they stole points. They still got points. They just, they found a way to steal points. I don't think they have the personnel to be able to steal a point in that situation right now. It's not like you can throw, short of just like playing Cam York for like 30 minutes, which, you know, they played him for a lot of minutes anyway, playing Cam York for 30 minutes and then risking it and playing Zamula and Ristolainen for a ton of minutes and maybe keeping Yandel and Connaughton off the ice because they really struggled in that game. And I, I don't even know that they have the personnel to be able to just say, let's lock it down and try to preserve the two points. Luckily, they get a point, and it was their first point of 2022 in that game. So they 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 survived to the whistle. But I think even if they had a little bit more of their normal personnel, I think you could have played a little more lockdown hockey in that final span of minutes that, that San Jose was able to break through. But woof. It's just – it's – or you look, you even look at a, you look at overtime. Mike Yo started. Cam Atkinson, Cam York, Morgan Frost. Yeah. Cam York, yeah. 21 years old and has six games of NHL experience. Yeah. Just 21. Morgan Frost has less than 40 games of NHL experience. Um, just came back. Well, and we were Al and I were sitting there, and when we saw all three of them out there, we we're like, "What is he doing?" And yeah. then we're and then we go literally. I'm like counting on my fingers, and I'm like, all right, well, who would we normally see here? Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, Sandheim, Pro, like all of them are out. None of them are available. Yeah. And, and you're like, you know, I give, I actually give Mike Yo credit for saying, you know what, Cam York, you've played well, and you you look like you can hang. Go out there and contribute. Um, I don't know that I would have put Morgan Frost out there to be totally transparent, but. That's yeah. that's Mike Yo's call, not mine. And I think Mike's trying to navigate the choppiest waters in the NHL right now. So yeah, I, I I questioned the decision. I wrote about it and I questioned it. And I didn't love it. Um, I probably would have gone with a little more experience uh, for defensive reasons. Like I felt they really needed that game. But then I did look back at it and I did. I know I knew who they were missing. And so one of those things that it's like you shouldn't overanalyze it. It's just this is who they have, and Mike Yo's trying to make the best of it. And I think overtime is a byproduct of what they have. Uh, young kids who actually won the faceoff and got out there and got a shot on net by Cam Atkinson, and then the play went the other way, and boom, game's over. Uh, it is what it is. But we have more games to watch, more games to evaluate, more games to analyze, and we're going to have it all on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Big, 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 big week for the Flyers, and it starts on Tuesday night on NBC Sports Philadelphia with Taryn Hatcher and Joe Fordyce producing – Flyers pre and post game live. Catch it all there with the Scott Lawton interview as well. 
Taryn and Joe, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. And we'll have more this week on the Flyers Talk podcast. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast guru and producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.